It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. We start a new month, and we pray it's going to be better than the last one. Uh, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Uh, as we welcome you into our program, we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And today on the show, we're going to visit with Chris Fisher, as we do on Wednesdays from the Cat's Paws. Uh, Mike Fields will join us from the KHSAA. Uh, Mike will uh, just reminisce a little bit about the Sweet 16, tell some of the stories um, that uh, he has from many years of covering that event for the Lexington Herald Leader and now the KHSAA. And there's still a sliver of, of hope that it uh, the boys and girls tournaments might still happen. And Curtis Birch will join us, and he is the host of the Behind Kentucky Football podcast and did a recent chat with defensive coordinator Brad White. So we'll talk with Curtis as well. That's our guest lineup as we roll into the Wildcat News of the Day, a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That's private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, who's with us on Mondays, uh, just saw a tweet about his latest story, and uh, he has talked with E.J. Montgomery's mom, who says, quote, we really haven't decided anything yet regarding uh, E.J. and the draft. Uh, E.J., according to the stories, doing uh, workouts supplied by strength coach Rob Harris from UK. And another interesting comment that his mom had in the story is that the family uh, talks about this a lot and that they have uh, certainly looked at how it worked out for Nick Richards to come back for a third season, and she said that would factor into their decision. So I have was getting hopeful, trying to get hopeful that, he, that Emmanuel quickly might come back, but never really thought that he would. But I've always thought that EJ would be back for a third season, and in part because of how well it worked out for Nick. And now with all these extra circumstances and EJ uh, in the story, she says he hasn't been able to you know, get any shots up anywhere. They uh, doesn't have a gym or anything he can get access to. He can go in the neighborhood and you know do running, and he can do his uh, workouts at, at home and he can work with tutors, uh, so all of those things, uh, especially you know, doing working with tutors, making sure he's taking care of the academics, all certainly uh, leaving himself every opportunity to come back. So hopefully that will uh, happen. I think that would certainly be the best move for EJ. A um, couple of other notes uh, on scheduling: the Basketball Hall of Fame announced yesterday that they are sticking with the plan to have Kentucky and Michigan play in London in December. And I was actually encouraged by this from this one standpoint. It's finally something that isn't canceled. We we look for signs of hope uh, in these times. Um, and as sports fans, it's it's nice to think of something. It's kind of the same way I feel about the, the Sweet 16. They haven't completely closed the door on it. So there's hope that maybe they could find a way to, to play some of these things. So you know, by December, hopefully our world will be in a much better place. And... Um, uh, anyway, I was uh, that, that was just kind of my initial reaction when I heard the news. Like, finally, something that uh, is still on as scheduled. That's uh, 
that the, the more we can uh, have those things in our world, the better. Also, CBS is reporting Kentucky is going to host Richmond next season. Uh, Richmond was number 46 in Ken Palm this past season. They have an outstanding big man, uh, Grant Golden, who is 6'10". There were some reports that he was going to maybe transfer, but the most recent uh, coverage on that is that he is going to stay at Richmond. So uh, there had been some thought that maybe Kentucky tried to get involved with him as a grad transfer, but instead it looks like they'll be playing against him. And I looked on the Ken Palm page, no seniors listed that were uh, significant contributors for Richmond this season, a team that won 24 games. A good chance would have been a tournament team if they had not won the A-10. So um, should be a good game in the uh, non-conference next season for Kentucky. Johnny Juzang announced his final six, uh, Arizona, UCLA, Notre Dame, Oregon, Texas Tech, and Villanova. if uh, homesickness was was truly the main motivation, then you would think UCLA would uh, be high up on his list. The Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award is going to be announced today. Ashton Hagens is one of the four finalists. Uh, the Scheme aired on HBO last night about uh, Christian Dawkins. We'll talk a little bit about that when Chris Fisher joins us here uh, in a bit. And Loyola Marymount uh, reports say uh, their uh, new coach, Stan Johnson, has uh, lined up his new staff, and it includes a former Wildcat as an assistant coach, Alan Edwards, who was uh, let go at Wyoming. So uh, hopefully that's true, but it would be good that uh, Alan has landed on his feet so quickly in the coaching game. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find them on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Curtis Birch next up when we return. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Quarter past the top of the hour, it's the Leach Report. For a Wednesday, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline and bring on Curtis Birch from the UK Sports Network, where he uh, hosts the Behind Kentucky Football podcast. And uh, the most uh, recent one is with... Defensive coordinator Brad White. So thought we'd get uh, Curtis on talk a little bit about uh, that conversation and uh, a couple of others. So let's uh, start with just what Coach White is is doing to Curtis stay in touch with his his guys and uh, prepare for whatever season is coming up. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's uh, he said he was in the same boat as most of us. Just a lot of texting, you know, video calls and just communicating through technology with a lot of his players and, and trying to keep in touch with everybody. But, you know, the, he, he said a couple things, and we put a couple clips on the U.K. Sports Network social media. But, like, he talked about how, yeah, they all miss football but in football practice, but they just miss being around each other so much. So they're trying to get some of that camaraderie back through, um, through technology. But for, for him personally – it was interesting because he says he's using some of his downtime to do some stuff he used to do in um, in the NFL, some deep dives, some cut-ups of specific personnel um, and things where he can put together to show a player how they exactly want to play a specific position. So he's taking full advantage of the downtime, and, and it should benefit U.K. football uh, in the future. That uh, access to – the video platforms is, uh, I'm sure, a, a godsend for coaches right now uh, to be able to have some way to 
interact with their players and to give them maybe some things to work on. And then from the strength coach's perspective, I was just talking about the the story from Kyle Tucker about EJ Montgomery and uh, Rob Harris, the men's basketball strength coach, is sending in workouts. I'm sure Coach Edmund is is doing some similar things. But the, the thing is, these guys, you know, they can't go to gyms gyms are closed in their area so you know they're back home but they still can't uh, go anywhere and work out and you know maybe some of them have some level of, of home uh, gym or home equipment but a lot of it might be you know doing uh body weight type exercises you know, push-ups and sit-ups i remember herschel walker famously back in the 80s his entire training was uh until he got to college i think was was sit-ups and push-ups so uh, that's a challenge for these guys now oh without a doubt and i was watching the uh Max Duffy and Luke Fortner show uh, that that's going out uh, from UK football uh, during where they're roommates and they're together. So they're sharing and, and they were joking about how uh, they're trying to find different things to stay in good shape. And, and Luke as the offensive lineman was joking how it was, he went outside and ran the other day and it was the first time he'd ran uh, uh, over a mile since he was in high school <laughs> because as an offensive lineman, it's all about short bursts, but to your point, there's not all that equipment, so they just got to find uh, the best way possible to stay in shape. And just think about uh, uh, players. I guess um, you know. I guess you could use uh, gloves. I assume and and be out. Say you're a quarterback and throw with a receiver. Um, I guess you could use gloves and be able to do that. If you're a baseball player, you you know you get your mitt on. But uh, you know it's it's a crazy times for the uh, for the athletes. Um, let's talk about a couple of additions to the staff. Uh, one of them is going to be coaching in the secondary. He's been on the staff already as an operations guy, Frank Buffano, um, who has also been an on-field coach before and was doing that this spring. And then they uh, elected to just uh, hire him, which I think was a great move. And uh, you did a recent podcast with Frank. Yeah, and his story is really interesting. Uh, coach Stoops was talking about him on his uh, teleconference press press conference, uh, video press conference, and how, you know, he was he was out of football for a little bit, and then uh, they're both from Youngstown. Stoops didn't really know him growing up. They were, he was, uh, Buffano was a freshman when Stoops was a senior, so there was a little bit of an age gap. Uh, but he came to Arizona uh, when, when Mike Stoops was the head coach and Mark Stoops was the defensive coordinator as, as just a, a student assistant. He, he had to work on an undergraduate degree. And so he was doing all the grunt work and equipment rooms and, you know, basically just worked his way up. Uh, after Arizona, uh, Coach Stoops, Mark Stoops went to Florida State. Coach Buffano went to Youngstown. And then when Coach Stoops got the job at Kentucky, he brought Coach Buffano down as a director of football operations and has been around and is, has been defensively focused the whole time. He's been in a ton of meeting rooms, as you mentioned, uh, was coaching a lot of this spring where they elevated him. And uh, Stoops also mentioned that uh, he'd also been recruiting for them uh, with Coach Schlarman's, uh, you know, sickness, him having to stay home for treatments and, and those kind of things. They were, the NCAA kind of granted them, I, I guess, a, a waiver-type deal where Buffano was out on the road recruiting. So when you put that all together, the guy actually has uh, a ton of experience coaching, uh, both on and off the field, and he knows the U.K. system, you know, it, better than anybody could that you would bring in from the outside. And, you know, when I was coach, talking to Coach White, he just spoke grow, glowingly of him. And, and the one thing that he kind of pointed out is that you know you're going to get consistent hard work from it from a guy who's, you know, come up 
you know, started out at the the undergraduate assistant level and is now uh, a position coach in the SEC. Tyler Curtis Birch, uh, he hosts the Behind Kentucky Football podcast, uh, the most recent ones with defensive coordinator Brad White. And in addition to uh, Coach White talking about uh, Frank Buffano, he also talked about another new addition to the staff in the role of a defensive quality control assistant with a lot of NFL experience, Greg Minuski, right? Yeah, Minuski, or as uh, Coach White calls him, Manus. He shortens it because they have a long uh, relationship. And, and the one thing about him, a guy who was a defensive coordinator in the NFL and now adds the, the depth uh, and knowledge of the U.K. staff. But uh, Coach White and he have a long history, and it was a, a funny story. Uh, when when Brad White took the, got the job at the Colts as, uh, I think it was a quality control or something along those lines, uh, for their defensive uh I think linebackers initially, he actually flew to Indy and was interviewing to be the assistant to the head coach. But Coach Bogano at the time had an engagement and kind of said, uh, go on the defensive side of the ball. I know that's your specialty. Hang out with our defensive coordinator, uh, Greg Minuski. And they did. They went to lunch. And then when Minuski came back with uh, Coach Pagano, he said, uh, I, I just hired him as my quality defensive, uh, defensive linebacker quality control coach. And Pagano said, no, he's he's not he's not your coach. He's my he's my guy. Yeah, we we didn't bring him here for you, and so they have a long history. And I think that you know that kind of knowledge of each other is going to be even more beneficial. Who's the next podcast coming with? Oh, we'll be talking to Darren Hinshaw soon. So hopefully that'll be out uh, tomorrow. You can find Behind Kentucky podcast on almost all the platforms. Just search Behind Kentucky football. Curtis Birch, he also uh, hosts with Anthony White and Larry Vaught, the Sunday morning uh, sports talk show on uh, our flagship station here in Lexington, Sunday mornings from 9 until noon Eastern. Curtis, thank you much. Thank you, Tom. Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws in the On Deck Circle. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We'll be right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. Uh, these days, saying what day it is might be an important service. We kind of lose track. Joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline is Chris Fisher from CatsPaws.com. Has that ever happened to you, Chris? Uh, what's that? Losing track of what day it is right now. Oh, they're pretty much all the same at this yeah. point. I hear that from people that they're not going to have to think sometimes about what uh, what day it is. Let's uh, start with uh, the show that aired on HBO last night, debuted uh, called The Scheme, about uh, focusing on Christian Dawkins. Did you get a chance to see it? Uh, I didn't. I've, I've heard a lot about it, but I didn't didn't get a chance to watch it last night. I did. I watched it, and the only thing that was really, I thought, noteworthy out of it, it was way way too long it was uh mostly the the christian dawkins story but in the last 15 minutes you hear the famous uh wiretap conversations uh between him and lsu coach will wade and arizona coach sean miller uh and uh, dawkins is, is kind of a, a wannabe agent and uh, they're in these conversations and that's the the famous strong ass offer quote that was attributed to will wade well you hear it uh in there and uh it's 
you, you you listen to those two interviews and it's, you know, it's those two guys on tape and uh uh you uh it's it's you've, it's even more amazing those two guys are still employed when you hear it yeah that that's exactly uh the sentiment that uh that I've heard and that I've read coming out of that that documentary and it's one thing to i guess kind of read about it but i'm right. sure hearing that audio for the first time is is very raw and uh can be very damning i guess to to both of those guys but you know i've seen some people say uh you know i guess how explosive that documentary was and i saw other people say that you know is this all they had was this it and so uh, it's kind of hard to say what will come of that. I saw where the NCAA said they were going to watch uh, that documentary and take notes, and it'll be interesting, I guess, to see where they take it from there. Yeah, I, re- I really thought in, in watching it, maybe if I see it a, a second time, uh, perhaps if, if I choose to do that, maybe I'll pick up something. But it really it was just though hearing, as you said, the difference between reading the comments from Wade and Miller and actually hearing the tapes. And you, at the start, they play the – the uh, clip from Sean Miller's news conference where he uh, essentially says, I don't know you know, who this Christian Dawkins guy is kind of thing. And then uh, you hear this conversation at the end. And so really it, it, it could have been about a half hour show instead of uh, two hours that they stretched it into. Um, so there wasn't a, I didn't think a, a whole lot else uh, there that was any, any great uh, shock, but um, yeah. And the one thing you see is, you know, how the government really, was didn't really have a good idea of what they were doing. They kept trying to, you know, uh, direct this at coaches, and, and Dawkins is telling, like, look, it's you know, you the the money goes to the to the player or to the families or or some middleman, and not the coaches. Yeah, re- reading some of the comments on on Twitter last night, it seemed like the FBI kind of was uh, was painted the most poorly, pretty much yeah. out of anyone in the documentary, and um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. That, Christian Dawkins plays the part of, of martyr very well. But, no. <laughs> um, you know, you look at Arizona and LSU, it hasn't really hurt their recruiting all that no. much. Both of those schools are are doing just fine. Thank you very much. So, Well, we're talking with Chris Fisher from catspaws.com. On Twitter, it's at Chris Fisher 24-7. We're coming up on the hard break at the bottom of the hour, so we'll continue the, the conversation on the uh, other side of the break. Talk a little bit about uh, Kentucky and uh, backup point guard options that uh, the Cats could perhaps look at uh, and get into that more when we return. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Help out your local restaurants with carryout orders whenever you can, like Wild Eggs. We'll be right back. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomHKY.com. We're back with Chris Fisher from the CatsPaws.com. Uh, talking uh, a little Kentucky basketball now. I was reading a story yesterday, I forget where, but it was about um, just the the situation for players considering the draft. Not only do they not know for sure when the draft's going to be because the NBA is still looking at, at various options for trying to resume their season in some way, and that would affect the, the date of the draft. But the other thing is uh, apparently a lot of agents uh, are um, that normally players might have access to are 
uh, busier, I guess, with their existing clients, and so the the uh, the pool of of agents is uh, smaller, and the ones that are there maybe are less experienced, and so uh, if you uh, you know you've got the option now to to go with an agent, but are you really getting good advice if you do? Uh, so it just between the trying to you know stay in in shape and worry about the business side very difficult time for guys like the ones from Kentucky that are evaluating NBA decisions yeah definitely there's a a lot there's always a lot of uncertainty especially with guys that are considered more fringe prospects but it's about tenfold of that uh during this cycle like you said the 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 agent situation and they changed the rule where you can sign with an agent and still return to school but it has to be one that is certified by the ncaa and apparently that pool is very very small and so uh obviously you have a lot of less experienced agents with with not a lot of clients of course they're going to encourage these guys to to come out and and test the waters because that's one more client for them but um, it's it's a really really difficult situation. I saw Adrian Wojnarowski say that uh, the NBA draft would almost certainly be moved back from June 25th, and if it's not during the summer, when is it? I'm not sure you can hold a draft until you've completed the NBA season, and that way teams can can trade and and you know know exactly what uh, they're in need of for the draft. And so it's a, it's a really difficult situation and the waters are, are murkier than, than ever pretty much. And college coaches are trying to find out what their roster is going to look like. And, you know, if you're John Calipari, um, you've got Devin Askew coming in to play point guard, but you would like to have another one. And, you know, if, if Hagen's or, or quickly might, come back then then you're fine uh if they both go to the nba route then maybe you are trying to find one and uh if if it's the latter uh where would what waters would they be fishing in yeah i think we've seen in the last couple of years john calipari really start to gravitate toward playing multiple point guards in the backcourt i think he's really found something there that that he likes, and like you said, I, I would assume that Ashton Hagens is gone. I think Emmanuel Quickly and, and EJ Montgomery would probably be the two out of the five that might be on the fence. And if Emmanuel Quickly were to go, all of a sudden you have uh, a lot of inexperience in that backcourt with with Devin Askew being really your only primary ball handler. And so. Uh, I think if Emmanuel quickly were to keep his name in the draft, I think Bryce Aiken from Harvard is is a guy that Kentucky would take a, a really long, hard look at. He averaged over 20 points a game as a junior uh, two years ago, only played in seven games this season before uh, suffering a, a foot injury. But he's a guy that I think really checks all the boxes if you're Kentucky. He has experience. He shot nearly 40% from three. Um, and would really give Kentucky, I think, the experience that they're looking for in the backcourt. I, I know uh, it seems like he's taking his time with the process, which I think is a key if you're if you're Kentucky. He's a guy that's not in a rush to make a decision, and and said you know pretty specifically that he would like to hear from some of the blue bloods. He mentioned uh, mentioned Michigan State as well, so I think he's a, a guy at this point to to keep an eye on if you're a Kentucky fan. And the other thing that could happen is you know, if the NCAA uh, approves that uh, much often discussed 
change to the transfer policy where guys could transfer and play immediately. That could open up some options. But with everything else that's going on uh, in college sports, I wonder if uh, if that gets moved further down the priority list in the short term. Yeah, it, it, it could. And, and I think they were looking at moving back that that vote. I think that vote was scheduled to come up, I think, in April, and they're already talking about moving it back. So a lot of moving parts, uh, not just for Kentucky, but for, for a lot of schools uh, around the country. Let me ask you this, because I remember back in 2011, Kentucky really didn't have a, a true backup for Brandon Knight at the point, and so uh, Deron Lamb, uh, certainly a shooting guard, but he would slide over and uh, run the offense some uh, when Brandon needed a, a break. Of the other wing guys, perimeter guys that Kentucky has in this recruiting class, uh, is there any one or two that could could handle that in a pinch? In a pinch, I think B.J. Boston could slide over uh, to that spot. The only thing with with both he and Terrence Clark is they're both such excellent scorers that moving them on the ball kind of neutralizes that a little bit. But I think I think Terrence Clark and BJ Boston are both guys that can can make plays with uh, with the ball in their hands. I'm not sure you want either of those guys being your primary ball handler and, and bringing the ball up the court and those types of things, but uh, those are definitely guys that are capable of, of creating things off the bounce, either for, for themselves or their teammate. Chris Fisher, thank you much. All right, you bet. Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws. He joins us every Wednesday here on the Leach Report on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. It is 18 or 19 away from the top of the hour. We'll chat with Mike Fields, a little reminiscing about the Sweet 16 when we come back here on the Leach Report Radio Network. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at TalkRadio1080.com. Now, back to the show. And back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline, we go to bring on Mike Fields, formerly the Lexington Herald leader for many years, did a wonderful job covering high school sports, and now does the same for the Kentucky High School Athletic Association's uh, website. And um, Mike, I, uh, I know the KHSAA uh, this week has, has put out uh, something about spring sports, and they in there mentioned that they haven't completely closed the door on the boys and girls Sweet 16 basketball tournaments yet. So I'm uh, I'm hanging on to a sliver of hope that those might happen. That would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah, you and a bunch of other people, um, boy. But if if it doesn't happen, and you know the windows closing more every day, and just all those, you know, just not the players, the coaches, the, the whole communities that rally around uh, the teams that get to the Sweet 16, uh, you know, what a disappointment. And, uh, you know, these seniors especially, uh, they'll never, they may never get a chance uh, to live their dream, um, to play in Rupp. Coaches, I know that, you know, they played a few games in the girls' Sweet 16, and one of the coaches, said, uh, Donna Moore from Sacred Hearts, said, you know, her dream was to coach in Rupp. She got to do that, but circumstances weren't what she had hoped for. And it's just uh, just disappointment, you know. And going forward, like you say, the spring sports, all those athletes in uh, football, I mean, baseball, track, softball, you know, they're not going to get a chance to to do what they do, and it's just just a shame. Yeah, it it is, uh, and um, I think you mentioned how the 
you know, what it means to uh, communities. I uh, think back to my high school, uh, Bourbon County, that had one of those magical runs. Uh, it was back in 1984 that uh, very unexpectedly made it to the state championship game. And the coach of that team uh, passed away earlier this week, uh, Russ Day, a, a good friend of mine. And um, I played for Russ through my sophomore year, and then I gave up basketball to go to work at the radio station. So uh, I then switched over to interviewing Coach Day. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, he uh, had the, the bright blonde hair, coached at Bourbon yeah. County for about, oh, about 25 years, and uh, you know was very flamboyant uh, and had some outstanding teams. And that 84 team uh, with Jeff Royce making all those last-second shots was, uh, was just an incredible run. Yeah, Russ was was one of those just delightful people to be around. He 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 always was smiling, and like you say, I, I would run into him here in the last few years uh, out at lunch or something. And he up until late, he had that still had that <laughs> signature uh, blonde blondish hair with kind of a page boy look to it. But he was so quick witted and always had a had a had a smile for you. He, he, yeah, he was a great guy, and that team was was remarkable you know clark county was supposed to be unbeatable in the region that year but uh, they got beat i think by maysville in the first yep. round of the region and that opened the door for bourbon county and you know, that's that's the sweet 16 story you know you never know what's going to happen and boy that was one of the more remarkable runs in the sweet 16 history when kentucky went on that run in 2014 and aaron harrison was hitting all those last second uh, game winners. Somebody asked me at one point, "You ever seen anything like that?" And I said, "One time." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, Jeff Royce, unbelievable, unbelievable, and it would have been something if they had been able to finish it off. But just getting to the finals before they lost oh, to Logan yeah. County was was just you know you know, and like you say, it, it meant so much to the whole community, of Bourbon County, and and uh, all those fans they picked up in Rupp Arena. Yeah, there's a YouTube clip of the WKYT highlights from those games that Brian Milam uh, put out this week that folks can find on YouTube. You had a story at the KHSAA website uh, talking with uh, another good friend of mine, Mike Wrights, who was a, a very took three Harrison County teams to the state tournament and uh, I think Maysville once, and he was a very successful coach in the 10th region, Clark County, I think, for a little while. And uh, Mike was actually my eighth-grade homeroom teacher. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, he and Russ were good friends. No, they were thick as thieves. They would, uh, like, he, he would, uh, you know, he would go, go visit him uh, at least twice or three times a month, take him to, to the same restaurant, Cheddar's, and have the same meal. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and Mike, I think, inherited a lot of Russ's uh, quick wit, and uh, he knew how to deal with the media, too. And uh, yes. they were both great guys. Um, Mike, in the city, was my eighth grade homeroom teacher. And, uh, uh, also for uh, I think a science class and we anyway we had an extra credit project him being a basketball coach extra credit if you picked the the Sweet Sixteen games uh, and you got them all right you got some number of extra points and I had every game to the final and I stupidly picked Henry Clay over Daryl Griffith and Bobby Turner in mail and I I had fourteen in a row and missed the points. No. Man, that was, yeah. how do you pick against Daryl Griffin? I know I was uh, uh, not not as basketball educated as I should have been at the time. Uh, you know, speaking of, of you know runs, there was going to be a chance for one of those this year for a, a traditional power, Ashland. We should uh, talk a little bit about because they had an undefeated season. That uh, again, there's a sliver 
of a chance that uh, the thing could still be played and we'd we'd get to see how they do but uh that was just uh, for a, for a, a program that has so much tradition but um, had fallen on some some hard times with their program to come back like they did this season was really fun to see. Oh, it was. I, I went up in uh, January when they were, I think, thirteen or fourteen and zero, and did a story. And just uh, it was remarkable how the you talk about a community getting behind a, a team. That is the the uh, epitome of it in, in Ashland. Those people. Um, live and die with the Tomcats, and they have for oh, you know, they have they arguably the richest tradition in the state. You know, they won a national championship in 1928. But anyway, they they had fallen on hard times, and, and that area has been so affected by the economic downturn with all the industry there. And you know, to see that that gym was full almost every home game, and they take they follow them on the road, and they. You know, I think the Ashland team, Larry Conley's team, that won the state championship in in 1961, won but 21 and 0 before getting beat by Lafayette. So when I was up there, they were thinking, well, can we get to 21 and 0 and maybe eclipse, you know, that great Tomcat team? And by gosh, they did, and they they ran the table. I think they were maybe 33 and 0 going coming into Rupp. If they get that chance. Um, let's hope they do. But if they don't, you know, if they can hang their hat on being the the defeated Tomcat team of all time. I mean, that that was just a remarkable story that may not get to play out here in the Sweet 16. Mike, I appreciate you jumping on with us to a little reminiscing, and uh, uh, maybe if uh, if the thing happens, we'll uh, we'll get back together and talk about it later in the summer. Nice being with you, Tom. Stay safe. You. you too, as Mike Fields. And you can read the uh, the story on Rust Day, and, and Mike writes that we were talking about at the KHSAA's website. It's uh, khsaa.org, or just follow Mike on uh, on Twitter. Uh, I think it's at Mike Fields, uh, KY, I believe. Um, we're heading to a break. When we come back, I've got uh, another uh, interview to play for you uh, related to uh, a special anniversary for today, and we'll tell you about that when we come right back. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Donato's slice of Wildcat history for this day, April 1st, 1996. It was the day Kentucky won the national championship over Syracuse up at the Meadowlands, 76-67. to We did a rebroadcast of that game on the UK Sports Network last Sunday. And in the pregame show, one of the interviews I had was with uh, Derek Anderson, who was uh, uh, one of the stars for that team, having transferred in from Ohio State. And uh, we'll hear a little bit of the uh, interview I did with DA about how dominant the untouchables were. You guys were just, uh, and because of that, that sacrificing and everybody buying into the team goal, you guys were just, you know, crushing people as that season unfolded. What what was that like as a player? Because you're not usually unlike team on a lot of teams where you're that dominant. Well, we didn't recognize it until the LSU game. I think throughout the season, we felt like we were playing teams that didn't have as much talent, and we did what we were supposed to do. A lot of guys don't show up when they're playing lesser talent. Not as much talent, but we never had that issue. And I give a credit to the seniors, Walter, Mark, and uh, Tony, and then also Coach Patino. Because if the seniors don't buy into it, you know the younger guys are. But I think Coach Patino put in as a good system saying, hey, we got you guys playing. We didn't recognize how good we were, we were or how bad we were beating teams until the LSU game. When we scored 86 points at halftime, that's when we said, you know what? 
we are right now. We got a good team, and and we could probably beat Penn. Then we got kind of like that that confidence in your mind that we can beat everybody the same way, and we did. What was it like in that SEC tournament championship game when Dante Jones went off, had his incredible day, and uh, what was going through your minds at that point? Was that just did that kind of reset you all as, as people think that that was a good loss? Did you all look at it that way? Everybody can say it in hindsight, but what happens if we didn't lose and still win a national championship? You know what I mean? I think it, it, it can recharge. It, it refocuses you more than it does anything because you realize you did lose and you can't lose anymore. I think that was a refocus point. I don't think it really made us think difference of our team. I just think he had a great game. Uh, Dante uh, Dampierre was a great seven-footer played in the NBA for years, so didn't like they had a weak team. They had veteran guards, uh, Bullock and all those guys. So it didn't really recharge us. I think it refocused us on the fact that we can't let this happen. And also, you know, Coach took the guys out to start line up. He was making a point with Antoine. Antoine said something he shouldn't have said, you know, certain things. And like I said, I think it refocused us to go back on the game. And, and we knew we had to win six games. And in our mindset, six games is like one day of practice to us. <laughs> when that game played out like it did, there's some percentage of fans that believe – that Rick liked that happening. That uh, he he thought that was was good for you guys. I don't. Did did you guys have any sense of that or the way he managed the game or was he just did he just get you know was he kind of sending a message once it started to to go downhill or what was your take on it? My take was he was he was sending he was sending us a message. I don't he know he doesn't want to lose now. I know that like he doesn't want to lose. He hates losing, but I do think he sent the message. Whether it's a point to where he thought we would lose to, I don't know. That's something he would have to answer. But I do know he sent the message to us that day because that was not how he did the lineup. He never left Antoine out that long. He never left guys in there that long. Like when you press, you can't play that long and stay in a game. But he was leaving guys in longer than they were usually been in the game, and they were tired, fatigued, and guys were scoring them. So I think I think he did send the message. Again, was it for us to lose? I don't know. That was from our pregame show last Sunday with Derek Anderson. Today was the day Kentucky won that national championship. Happy birthdays to Eric Daniels and to Chris Skettlefinger today. Uh, this was also the day that John Calipari was hired. They did an introductory news conference on April 1st in 2009. Uh, if you are a coffee drinker, then let me suggest you give Shuffle Bean Coffee a try. They're one of our great sponsors here on the Leach Report to bring you this program every day. Uh, go to shufflebean.us. You can find the locations where you can pick up some bags of Shuffle Bean Coffee to have them at home while you're hunkered down now. Have a great cup of coffee. It's all about quality at Shufflebean Coffee, a Kentucky-owned company. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on the Leach Report.